I think the, the issue of cyber attacks have seeped into the American consciousness in the past month. A new report shows ransomware attacks are exploding, up a stunning 93% per week. Cyber risk has more than quadrupled since 2002 and tripled since 2013. This month alone, more than 1,200 organizations being hit every seven days. Cyber attacks are now common across all types of industries. The work from home wave has not helped the state of cyber insecurity. A crippling cyber attack that forced a major U.S. energy pipeline offline Friday. Cyber intruders inserted ransomware inside systems of energy giant Colonial Pipeline, making demands for payment. You're holding a major component of United States infrastructure hostage. We largely don't think of our digital security. And it looks like the government hasn't really been on top of things as well. While the president is trying to boost U.S. defenses against these kinds of attacks, signing this executive order that the White House says will create a standardized playbook for how to respond. It mandates that companies doing business with the federal government turn over information on any hacks. It creates an incident review board and also a government rating system of the security of software products. The president is also now pushing for more funding for cybersecurity in his big infrastructure bill, something that wasn't part of his initial plan. In our first cybersecurity episode, we talk about the recent ransomware attacks crippling city infrastructure and big conglomerates. Today, we're going to talk about what the industry is turning into and how nation states are starting to deploy resources to decrease the likelihood of cyber attacks. I think we have to uh, make a greater investment in education as it relates to being able to train and graduate more people proficient in cybersecurity. I think that one of the most important things we have to do to reclaim our place as a leading innovator in the world is to uh, uh, have a better educated workforce. And, uh, but it's important that we do this. And the cybersecurity piece is one I think you're gonna see where we need significantly larger number of experts in the area of cybersecurity working for private companies as well as um, uh, private companies being willing to uh, um, share data as to what, how they're protecting themselves. Welcome to THC, where we unpack the ever-changing technology economy. Hang out with Jed, Shicker, and Adrian as we tackle the industries of tomorrow. This is things have changed. So last episode, we spoke largely about the state of cybersecurity in the world today and and what's really brought it to everyone's attention. So much so that even Biden... Biden just recently had a conversation with uh, Putin in their summit, and the big talking point was cyber, right? How fast things have moved, where the biggest pressing topic right now is not nuclear weapons. We're not talking about physical weapons anymore. We're talking about cyber systems and cyber weapons. Now, how are these hacker groups even this powerful? Like, where are they getting the resources to be able to, like, go after massive industries, massive companies, cities, even cities. 
Well, I mean, hacker groups, depending on where the attack is coming from, could largely be state-sponsored. Like, there are a lot of hacker groups that have associated with certain governments, right? And, you know, we're talking about the big attacks that has happened across industries, but one that isn't on the news is the attacks to actual governments, yeah, right? Yeah. The back doors that were set up by governments um, for the big technology companies like Google, Facebook, and whatnot. You know, there was a wave of these that came out after uh, Snowden released some papers and some files on how the American government or the NSA was spying on average citizens and, you know, uh, people across the world uh, with these type of back doors. That are essentially like these are cyber attacks, right? And so, if we get into like the nation state sponsored cyber attacks, one huge story comes into mind um, coming from that book that I had mentioned in the, in the previous episode. Um, this is how they tell me the world ends by Nicole Perlroth. Um, she mentions how Google was starting to get into China, right? Google has at, at that time two uh, x the amount of people online that the United States did. Right, so it was an interesting market for them to be in, but obviously for them to be there, uh, the PRC had requested them to obviously take some things out of the search engine. That's explicitly noted. Everybody knows that if you're a search engine that goes into a state-controlled media um, country like China's or, or Russia, you know, there's some things that you can't include in your search results, right? So for them, it was the Tiananmen Square massacre. Um, one of the um, defense secretaries were, was quoted saying, uh, there are two types of American companies. The ones that um, know that they've been hacked uh, by People's Republic of China and the ones who don't know that they've been hacked mm. by People's Republic of China. And so when you think about nation state hacking, okay, so Google comes in and they give them a bunch of guidelines to abide by. Right. And it's people. And there, of course, there's there's uh, people who work for Google within China. Right. That Google is trying to protect. Now, Sergey Brin. Right. Sergey Brin. Where, do you remember where he grew up? Russia. Yeah. He grew up in the Soviet Union. He, he immigrated. Right. And he was Jewish as well. And so what his biggest complaint about moving was that he grew up in a place where his father, you know, he wanted to go to school and he wanted to become um, some sort of physicist. And he wasn't allowed to. Because uh, Jewish people weren't allowed into the nice universities in the Soviet Union. Mm. And so he was really, you know, he was really salty about that. And he was like, you know, fuck it, whatever. They moved to the U.S. That's one thing that identifies Sergey Brin to be an immigrant, right? Where he escaped um, communism and he escaped uh, this oppressive government. And when he was going into China to start that, he was very invested in this, okay? And uh, they experienced uh, a cyber attack that they could only trace through this complicated web of proof, right? Where they hired a shit ton of cybersecurity engineers to come and do some investigation when they noticed a bunch of their systems were running overtime and, and they noticed that some data was being collected, right? They had somehow identified this with uh, the PRC, okay? With the source coming from the PRC. Obviously, like, it's very hard to prove because it's this massive web, yeah, yeah. right, of things that happen. And so this attack is when a, pub, when a private company accused a government of launching a cyber attack against it, okay? Yeah. So Sergey, Sergey Brin was like, fuck this. You know, I grew up in, in Russia. I grew up under an oppressive government. I'm out. 
I'm leaving. I'm, we're leaving uh, China, right? They were going to close everything down. Before they closed down, they opened up the search results. So on that day, people could actually search things about the Tiananmen Square massacre. They could actually search, you know, all these type of stuff. And the entire, obviously, the government of China was like. That's not happening. And they were, you know, obviously not uh, admitting to the idea of them, you know, sponsoring a cyber attack. Now, that's one thing we have to understand about nation state sponsored attacks. They will never, never, ever admit that uh, they had sponsored a cyber attack. And so that's what's interesting, right? Like, United States is setting up all these controls, writing in, you know, um, some laws that will sponsor the cyberspace. But actually, there are some countries that have largely used this to profit off of. And also, like, it's getting increasingly sophisticated, where recently, the Middle East saw, like, some attacks, and all the trails led to Iran. And then, then after a bit more due diligence <laughs> was done, they found out this was the US cyber engineers found out that it was actually Russia posing as Iran, hacking the Middle East. So, you know, this, like, you can do so much damage, you cannot really point fingers because it could, just the web of how the internet is, you could actually use resources from any part of the world to infiltrate organizations and cities and states. Yeah, I mean, maybe something people can relate to is that, you know, we saw a lot of fake accounts go up about, um, you know, during the elections of uh, Russian um, accounts that were related to like alt-right groups and were posting about certain things. And they had people on both sides, right? People on on BLM and like the alt-right groups that were completely bots, you know? So you can do a lot. Like geopolitical warfare involves cyber. Yeah. And, you know, since people are online nowadays, like, that's a large part of your strategy is to protect yourself from, you know, cyber attacks yeah. and to be to be um, held victim of these uh, massive, you know, attacks against social media websites. Like all these websites we don't know maybe have already backdoors to these um, zero days that we were talking about in the previous episode. Um, but yeah, it's it's a increasingly interesting space that's becoming more urgent to a lot more countries and companies right so across the board in the next few years we're thinking there's going to be a shitload of spending into cybersecurity. what was what was uh biden's new thing Did, didn't he sign something new biden recently signed an executive order to improve the government response now the u.s government has largely been sitting on the sidelines when it comes to these nation states hacking private companies and industries so in a bit to kind of modernize the infrastructure, digital infrastructure a bit, um, you know, there's a lot of spend, increased spending. I wouldn't say a lot, but like, I think it's four or 5% more, um, increased spend, spending than, um, a couple of years ago. So that's a positive step. Another is he's trying to set up through this executive order, set up like a standard for safety. So what does that mean? So basically, like say you have appliances, you have lights, you have refrigerators, you have ACs, all of them have um, an energy rating, um, energy star, right? They say, oh, it's a three energy star uh, rated uh, air conditioning. So it's going to be less power hungry and be more sustainable in that sort of way. And so in a similar fashion, there's a pitch to have a security standard 
for softwares and companies alike right so and this is they want it fast they they're saying hey within within months within 8 to 10 months we want to at least create the standard and now softwares would need to hit those standards so say i go into by um windows home subscription right um i would have a security rating on the package or on the website uh telling me what it is and it gives me an option um to determine whether the software was developed securely and if my data is safe uh with it as well but i feel like because that's a market that's growing immensely they're going to need this for sure that's going to fucking pop everywhere especially after all these cyber attacks but yeah. i'm just thinking like cloud security i mean at some point we'll need to be a course in university dude like you know people need to take it that seriously at this point um when creating these standards for for developing software so that's good so the government's spending a lot more on on cybersecurity it sounds like and they're going to create a bunch of uh uh controls to ensure that that software is safe okay yeah and there are reports that suggest that this industry the cybersecurity industry cyber protection industry more or less and the insurance on it so that's an interesting topic as well which we'll get to in a couple minutes but the cyber security industry looks to be growing at like 5% annually which is great there's a huge pension for this there's a huge demand for either cyber security engineers professionals working within it uh vendors uh vendor contracts with the government and i guess exploring new ways to secure your data and cloud data which is all online more or less yeah they're probably coming up with new products every day as yeah, well yeah. as we come up with new software they probably have new pro- like i heard a lot of uh these cybersecurity companies are services based so they'll they'll pay for a specific type of protection you know for example your most at risk for let's say dos attacks or denial of service attacks right where um ransomware comes in and just prevents you from using all your shit and then you're just like all right what do i have to do to to get around that and so some people are just paying for more complex like literally machine learning powered algorithms to try to identify possible cyber threats and where you're like most you know um insecure in your frameworks and it's nice that like there's new types of products coming out every day for this and also the uncertainty in what can happen is probably a reason why the there are insurance companies for this now like they're ca- they're cropping up left right and center it just just think about it a meat company had to pay millions of dollars to hackers to tell them to back off basically they had no other option so if there are threats like that then hey there's an insurance company that's just going to insure you of that amount or whatever right so there's risk there and if there's risk in anything there's going to be insurance for that yeah yeah fucking insurance companies dude (laughs) they're popping up for this kind of stuff you know yeah anywhere where they see it but it actually makes sense at this point right if you can't accurately if you really can't defend yourself and you can't be sure right as we were talking about then maybe insurance is the way to sort of you know at least hedge some risk on it right i read this crazy stat where 68 percent of u.s businesses didn't purchase any form of like cyber liability or or data breach coverage you know so likely because they don't understand the industry yet and what the risks are of getting your data stolen right like 
a lot of the companies that like we talked about Google, right? Even Google itself, um, you know, post 2010, when they had to deal with it, I think it was 2013. Um, they had to go out there and headhunt some top cybersecurity engineers when they were dealing with this issue, right? So like, imagine the small companies who don't have budget for this. It's very hard to think about the risk of, you know, getting hacked. Like, think about it. Just how much of your data is so valuable to your algorithm or how much is is your code so valuable for your program and your existence as a company that if it gets stolen, what's going to happen to your company? You know, it can be recreated in the other parts of the, the world <laughs> that use the cyber espionage to create new products, right? You know, what's interesting, I read in the book as well, is that when Starbucks was uh, looking for locations in China, best places to look for the location, within two weeks, there were new coffee shops in those exact locations, <laughs> <laughs> which suggests that the Chinese government were, were spying on, you know, Starbucks type data and like to try to find out where the best place to put a Starbucks mm, is, you yeah. know, like simple stuff like that, which you can imagine why, why is that helpful? Like, obviously that's largely helpful if a company is already doing this kind of stuff. It's it, cyber espionage can just lend you the right tools. You didn't have to do shit. You didn't have to do market research. Maybe you're not good at it. You know, <laughs> to your point, in the past five years, wild stat, the average ransom demand has shot up from fifteen thousand dollars to one seventy five thousand dollars. Average dem- ransom demand. So these hackers are like they once they smell blood, now they Jesus. want the whole goddamn twelve x. Twelve. Holy X's. shit! <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's a huge market, be it for uh providing the cyber solutions to ensuring the cyber attacks. You know, it'd be interesting to find out what these insurance companies actually do. You know, like, do they go out there and negotiate for you to get your data back? Do they go out there and try to recreate the malware? You know what I mean? No, like, dude. probably not. They're not cybersecurity companies. They're just, yo. Like, they're, it's if, literally just them paying If Geico is money. offering you fire insurance... They're not going out there fighting the fires. It's like that, dude. <laughs> They're just insuring you, dude. <laughs> so what? They just pay you money? They just pay That's you it? money, but they want to hedge your risk. They So I think it is ad- advantageous to them that Biden's putting all this in security measures because then they're not going to get hacked as much. So they don't lose a lot, right? The insurance companies want you to pay cyber insurance premiums and make sure there are no hacks that they need to pay themselves. So I bet they have been lobbying quite Jesus a bit Christ. to get these bills up. For sure. Require companies Meet a safety to, standard. <laughs> to sign up for cyber insurance. Yeah. And the stock market in general is really perceiving this whole shift like quite positively with regards to cyber security companies like Palo Alto Networks, CrowdStrike, FireEye all have just been on a tear and this started you know since uh i don't know if you remember like uh early 2020 coronavirus had not really gone crazy yet there were some sales that the u.s kind of uh, dropped in iran the market since that event to today you'll see what a shift there's been in investments and inflows into these funds and companies so it's definitely going to be um, great place to be parking your money, I guess. 
So in light of what's happening across the world and and all these recent cybersecurity attacks, we thought it it might be nice to find out um, some really simple ways of how to protect yourself from these types of attacks, right? Look, we're not cybersecurity experts and we don't know shit about how hard these, you know, nation state backed hackers are going to go in on you. But if there's some small things you can do to avoid, you know, the simplest hackers from getting your data, I mean, why not? You know, just do it. It's very simple. You don't have to do a lot, actually, to defend yourself. How do you protect yourself from these, like, really simple cyber attacks? Well, we're, we're just going to give you a couple of pointers that we found online, um, and we hope that it would be a little bit helpful. So the number one thing probably that you, you don't hear often enough from your company, if you do work for, for a large company that has a decent cybersecurity framework is updating your software, right? That's the simplest thing. Now, let me walk you through why this might be helpful, right? So every time they roll out a new patch or or an update for the software, typically they fix some problems they had found in the past, right? Some holes. There are some people who look at these things. When they release these things, it's, you know, it could be a, a combination of internal fixes or could be a combination of some white hat hacker that had given them some insight into what's wrong with their software, where it's vulnerable um, from a security perspective. So if you update your software, you know, religiously, <laughs> which you should, which you should be, that at least reduces the risk of the most obvious hacks that are already out there. That seems simple. Just, just, just follow instructions. Yeah, dude, don't don't delay it. Don't don't choose ten hours dude, later. Dude, I'm messaging Just right now, dude. Dog. I don't need to like, <laughs> update it right now. You got to do it when you're having a conversation with your manager, and that shit pops up. You tell your manager this is important. Stop, stop what you're doing and say no. Right <laughs> Hang up. Hang up, okay? Second is uh, which we've learned recently here at TRT, uh is password managers. You know, like I always had the fear and me and Shaker had the fear of like, okay, well, if they get one of our passwords, they'll get access to everything, you know, but th just weigh your risk, right? Think about having 20 different passwords in like 30 different places, right? So think about how hard that is. Do you have it written down on pieces of paper? I bet not. You don't Dude, do that I, shit, you lazy fuck. You wouldn't believe. I will remove my book <laughs> and I'll just... show you. I'll flip through pages. But I think the most important thing for people to know is actually not use uh, send code to my phone number and use that code to log into accounts. You know, you forget a password to any of your accounts, you have your phone as your secondary verification step. So you can say forgot password and send a code to your phone. That's a big no. Do not do that because phone companies, your Verizons, AT&Ts, they are not secure at all. So just do not <laughs> trust them. They've been hacked, yo. <laughs> You've seen this too. You probably have seen this on, on like TV shows and whatnot. That's the moment where the hacker gets into your system is when they send the code and yeah. they get the code. <laughs> they log in before you. So Yeah, just use something out, called you know. 2FA, which is two-factor authentication where, you know, you have an app that has like a code that you can put in there that verifies. So it's only accessible by you. So it secures things a bit more. Um, but to, to backtrack a little bit, you know, suggestions for password managers, one password, last pass, it can also help you generate, you know, complex passwords that will have 
the very basics of having a really hard to hack password, like passphrases and whatnot. Um, a password that has at least eight characters, preferably 12. So, uh, you know, just a quick recap of the four things that you can do. One is patch updating your software all the time, right? Two is to have a password manager for all your passwords and to help you also generate new passwords so you don't have to remember all of it all. Um, you know, one password, last pass and whatnot. Password design, design your password well, at least eight characters, again, uh, complex and use passphrases, you know. Um, and then the last one, which is a super important one that companies are trying to do today is uh, multi-factor authentication or MFA. Um, so that's a combination of something you have, might be your iPhone, might be your Android phone, um, something you know, right, which is a password. Um, and then the last thing is something you are, which is either biometrics, you know, your fingerprint, whatever, your face, whatever it is. Um, have that multi-factor authentication activated so that, you know, you're at least a little more secure yeah. than the people who are going to be easy. Uh, so you can do all this, but if you are kind of a noob and want to stream some random shit illegally on your desktop, well, none of this matters because you're already like inviting all the possible viruses <laughs> on your computer. So... Also, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, if you're on No, WhatsApp. no. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> You've been hacked. And I'm just talking about, like, you know, you want to watch the NBA game, right? And you don't want to pay for the NBA game. Yeah. So you watch some random stream online. And before you know it, they've taken... You've, they've wiped your bank account. <laughs> I'm sorry they've done that to you. Just just be careful. You know, don't be shicker. Yeah. Don't be shicker. <laughs> That's the one piece of advice. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show this week. You could subscribe to us. And if you're feeling generous, well, you could even leave us a review. Trust me, it goes a long, long way. You could also follow THC at THC underscore pod on Twitter and LinkedIn. This is Things Have Changed. <laughs>